Good morning, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to Ananda Village on this gloriously rainy morning. Um, it's really wonderful to feel that there are people from all over the country, our spiritual family, joining us for the Sunday service. Um, my name is Nayaswami Anandi. This is Nayaswami Bharat. The talk this morning will be given by Sundara. And I wanted to mention that this Tuesday is the birthday of Swami Kriyananda, Ananda's founder and our dear friend and guide. And our um, community leaders, Jyotish and Devi, will be giving a birthday celebration uh, at 6 o'clock on Tuesday. And hope you can join us for that. I'd like to begin by reading from <clears throat> Rays of the One Light. These are weekly commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita written by Swami Kriyananda. This week's reading <clears throat> is called Activity versus Inner Communion. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Last week, we contemplated the well-known story of Martha and Mary. Traditionally, this story has been offered to show the two classic approaches to salvation, the first through action and the second through prayer. The excuse of the Marthas of this world has always been the church needs its Marthas too. Treatises, moreover, have been written to justify the Martha approach to piety, praising her self-sacrifice as perhaps an even higher demonstration of devotion. Thus do the unmeditative in religion try to justify themselves. Yet the fact remains that Jesus rebuked Martha. Elsewhere, moreover, he spoke of the virtue of feeding the hungry, curing the sick, and housing those who were homeless. It wasn't that he disapproved of serving people. Wrong attitude was the object of his criticism. What he was criticizing was forgetfulness of the true goal of right spiritual action. Good deeds outwardly without inner communion with God will result in good karma but will not bring final freedom from all karma. The path to inner freedom was described by Paramahansa Yogananda in these words, be always calmly active and actively calm. As it says in the Bhagavad Gita, the second chapter, he who is not shaken by anxiety during times of sorrow nor elated during times of happiness, who is free from egoic desires and their attendant fear and anger. Such a one is of steady discrimination. Do your duty in life. So counsels this great scripture elsewhere. But never lose sight of him to whom all action should be dedicated. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh, 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 oh. 
Good morning, great souls. I'd like to read from Whispers from Eternity. This reading is, Intoxicate me with the wine of thy love. Intoxicate me with devotion's wine. I will drink of thee until death. My earthly desires are now dead, and I will live in thee forever. A thrilling current runs through each cell of my body and through every opening of my love for thee. Saturated with devotion, I will enter the, the heaven of thy presence. Groping blindly, the urge of my devotion suddenly flings open the secret door in my soul. Oh, what bliss I feel on beholding thy light. As the reading said last week, this is part two of the story of Martha and Mary. Jesus visits Martha and Mary. Martha's busy working in the kitchen. Mary is at Jesus' feet, intoxicated with his presence. Jesus rebukes Martha and saying, it's not that you're not, the work you're doing isn't good, it's that you're not thinking of God, remembering God in your activity. So we have activity versus intercommunion. When I was thinking of this topic, activity versus intercommunion, the word that stood out was versus. And I, it reminded me of just um, a sports team or people competing against each other. One team is going to win. Who's going to win? Typically, uh, for most people in the world, it's team activity that wins. And it's oftentimes it's that activity that's restless, just doing, 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 busy, busy, busy. But for the masters, it's different. For the masters, it's the inner communion which wins. And they bring that inner communion into everything that they do in their activities. And all of their activities are saturated with that inner communion. But how did they get there? Well, among many other things, attunement, devotion, and practice. Many years ago, I heard a story of a woman who came to the Expanding Light Retreat, and she said, I want to learn meditation, but I don't want to practice it. <laughs> and, well, the only way that we practice, we, you know, have meditation when we need it is if we practice it every day. As Lahiri Mahashaya said, if we don't invite God to be our summer guests, we can't expect him to come into the winter of our lives. And I had an experience of this almost two years ago now. My, previously, my wife had been going through having some neck aches, and we thought it was a vertebrae at a place. You know, maybe the different pillow, different things like that. To make a long story short, short she goes to the neurologist, has an MRI, and finds that she has a brain tumor. Not only a brain tumor, it was, happens to be right behind the spiritual eye in the center of the brain, but a very rare brain tumor that most doctors had never seen. So the next morning, uh, our good friend Netri uh, drives us from Ananda Village down to Palo Alto to Stanford Hospital. We go into the emergency room. As it turns out, for what miraculously hardly anybody was in the emergency room at the time, and they just start shuffling us through the process of signing in, test after test, taking blood pressure, etc. It was a whirlwind of activity. Eventually, they told us that 
okay, we're going to keep your wife here. We're going to put her in a room. She's going to have brain surgery in a couple of days. Okay, so I go all of this activity. I go outside to take a break, and I call my friend Anandi, and I just start crying. And the emotion, this was really the peak of fear in my life. And I get off the phone, and I'm trying to control myself, and a miraculous thing happens. The wind blew. And with it came the scent of jasmine, a scent that had always just brought a sense of joy into my heart. And that jasmine was enough to just bring me back to my center and remind me, hey, what happened to that meditation you've been doing all these years? And with just a little bit of meditation, I was able to see it wasn't just meditation. I know there's many people praying for us in this whole situation, but through that little bit of meditation, I was able to go beyond the surface of my emotion down into the ocean of God's peace. And admittedly, I never thought that I had the greatest meditations. Not bad, but not necessarily, you know, visions or anything like that. But it reminded me this experience of how powerful these teachings are, how powerful these meditation techniques are. And I wanted to just briefly go over these four main, main techniques that are part of this tradition. We don't just have one, we have four. Actually, we have many more. But the four main ones, energization exercises, recharging the body with cosmic energy. Yogananda said that in the future you will see these exercises will be seen as one of the greatest boons to mankind. It's a pretty powerful statement. And then the next technique, Hong Sa, technique of concentration of watching the breath with the mantra. Simple meditation technique, you might think. Yogananda said this was India's greatest contribution to the science of yoga. When I heard this, that statement a few weeks ago, I thought, oh boy, that's for me. Better practice this with, with more gusto. And then we have the Om technique. And I wanted to read what Yogananda said about the Om technique, or about Om. He said, I want to get this matter completely settled in your consciousness. That while prayer and meditation are good and should be practiced, we should not forget the purpose of meditation is to receive the Holy Ghost. No one, if he doesn't know the Om vibration, can get there. That is all there is to it. The Om and it is this Om technique that helps us to listen, to tune in more to this Om vibration. And then, of the fourth main techniques that we have, it's Kriya. When I first read the autobiography of a yogi, I didn't read it. I couldn't get through it, but my friend said, at least read the chapter in Kriya Yoga. And it was that chapter that I just hung on to for years until I, I was able to read it. And I always distinctly remember what Yogananda said about, the, he gave the calculations of one Kriya is equal to um, like one year of spiritual, natural spiritual evolution. I thought, wow, okay, this is for me. He called it the jet airplane route to God. So, you know, when on this tradition, when we're doing these techniques, we're not just have these four. We have chanting, we have the Guru's grace, we have all these other auxiliary techniques, little streamlets that just form this mighty river that help to uplift our consciousness and, to, and help to intoxicate us in all that we do in our life. 
even if we don't experience what we think we should be experiencing in meditation, the ecstasy, the joy, the peace, it doesn't mean that something isn't happening. That's how powerful these techniques are. I was recently reading that if you go, if you look out at the California coast, you just see an ocean. You've seen one ocean, you've seen them all, right? Pretty flat, maybe some waves high and low, but underneath that ocean, there is a mountain that's 12,000 feet high. And underneath and within us is the mountain of God's presence. The kingdom of God is within us. And that mountain is much more grand than any mountain in this world. If only we tap into that mountain and explore it. And that is what we need. Where most people are exploring wealth and prestige and fame and greed, we need the opposite people to give people something they can compare it with, to give the world something we can compare it with. And we need explorers of this inner kingdom, not just explorers, but those who are exploring and communing with the inner kingdom of God. So that when we come out of our meditation of communing with God, we are a better version of ourselves. We're natural. We're not trying to, you know, uh, proselytize the people or wear our spirituality on our sleeve. We're just being ourselves, but we're being a higher version of ourselves. Where the qualities that we've always wanted to be manifested are being manifested. Greater joy, greater understanding, greater love, greater kindness. I love St. Francis' quote when he said, Preach the gospel. Use words only if you must. <laughs> the deeper that we go into God's kingdom, the more natural the qualities of God will be come out and be made manifest in our life. And so that's why inner communion is so important. But as Yogananda said, it's, it's meditation helps our activity, our work, activity helps our meditation. We must be very, very active for God. As Yogananda said, the minutes are more important than the hours make every moment count. When Yogananda was in India in 1935-36, um, he was, he, he wrote to, I think it was Rajasi, and he said, I'm busy all day long. People are, are clamoring for, to me for lessons from morning until one o'clock in the, in the morning. I'm busy with, with people. Hare Krishna Gose's nephew, um, I think Yogananda was staying at his house during that time. He said that um, he would go to school, he was a young boy, he'd go to school, Yogananda would have all these devotees, He'd come back from school, Yogananda well, would have all these devotees around him. And he said that Yogananda still had time to play with us children, waking us up by putting pieces of paper in our nose and our ears. <laughs> so even during all that activity, he was able to have fun and have joy. And that's what we, has to, what we have to do during our daily activities. We have so much time for our activities. How are we spending it? A friend of mine in college, he was someone, he was like a sports guy, and he kind of had this big energy. He went to India, completely changed. You couldn't even recognize him. That big ego was replaced by humble devotee. A group of us were once uh, with him, and he was just sitting quietly, and we must have been talking about something not so uplifting, negative, contractive, and he just quietly said, how are you investing your energy? 
and it just cut through us, and we just were quiet. Shortly after that, he passed, and there's a dogwood tree with the engraving with that saying, how are we investing our energy? It takes a lot of energy during our activity so that that energy can help us commune more deeply with God during our meditation. I was recently reminded of a very instructive story about one of Yogananda's disciples, one of Swami Kriyananda's brother disciples. It was um, one of the last convocation gatherings when Yogananda was alive. And this disciple uh, enjoyed um, just kind of being next to Yogananda as all the guests, there were about 230 or 250 guests, coming and just greeting the master. And he said there was this one man who was there. He kind of had his hands in his pocket, and he didn't look so well, and he was in line to meet the master. And he goes up to Yogananda, and he just kind of puts his hand out like this. And what did Yogananda do? He put his hand out like this as well, <laughs> just kind of limping out. And so the man walks away. He turns around, and right behind him was a very long-time devout devotee. And this woman goes up to Yogananda with folded hands and just beaming at her. And what does Yogananda do? He beams and gives that love right back to her with the same type of energy that she gave to him. And this man who had his hands in his pocket, he looks and his eyes get big and gets back in line. <laughs> and what happens this time? He goes up to Yogananda, same thing. Puts his hand out like this. Yogananda puts his hand back in the same way. How do we approach God during our daily activities? Are we putting out the energy? Are we putting out that type of energy? We put out the positive, energetic, or are we putting out a limping type of energy? Really, we have so many hours we have about 14 hours during our daily activities that we can, that are so useful to us. You know, in 2018, it was found that about 50 people look, Americans, pardon me, Americans look at their cell phone about 58 times a day. In 2019, one year later, it went up to almost 100 times a day. Over a 14-hour period, on average, that's the average American looks at their cell phone seven times an hour. How are we investing our energy? Now, we might say, habits are hard to break. They are hard to break, right? But we, it might be helpful to say these simple words, these simple phrase, that we've often said before, but you know how after we say something enough times, we just kind of say it in the back of our mind. It's like you're walking in the street and some guy says, how you doing? Didn't even recognize he said, how you doing? Well, these words are powerful words that can really help us to break our habits and to bring that consciousness of God into our activity so we can commune with him more deeply. And these words are very simple. God, please help me. I need your help. But as Master said, words that are saturated with sincerity 
Conviction, intuition, and faith are explosive bombs that can shatter the rocks of our difficulties. And when we do say things, when we say our words, our affirmations in this way, God will respond. God will help. He, she, as a divine mother, will drop little thoughts in our minds to help us to remember him throughout the day. A few years ago at Inner Renewal Week, uh, Naya Swami Jyotish reminded us that Master said that we should try and keep our attention at the spiritual eye as much as we can throughout the day. And he gave us that challenge. During the time, my wife, Nanda Devi, and I, oh, by the way, my wife, Nanda Devi, is doing excellent right now. I <laughs> should put that there. Perfect health. Thank you all for your prayers. So during this time, my wife, Nanda Devi, and I were living with our friends, Ramesha and Bhagavati. And so I think it was Ramesha who had the good idea. Well, we're supposed to keep our attention at the spiritual eye during the day. That's Jyotish's challenge. How do we do it? Well, let's set our alarms on our phones. Let's put our phones to a good use. So every hour, the alarm would go off. And we would stop, or he would stop, and I picked up on this fun thing to do. And um, we would stop what we were doing, and we'd lift our gaze to the point between the eyebrows, and just commune with God there for a moment. And try and hold that as long as we could. And then the, every hour, the the, um, the alarm would go off. Well, this was a wonderful practice to do. We did it for many weeks. Even during, um, you know, the four of us would be having dinner together. <laughs> One of our alarms would go off. <laughs> we would be quiet. We'd lift the gaze to the point between the eyebrows. And then we'd all just, we'd all just laugh, you know, because we just, we're just completely you know, stopping the, the conver conscious conversation we have to lift our eyes up, up to the Lord. But, you know, we have to have fun on the spiritual path. God is ever new joy. God is not some, as Sri Teshwar said, some personages, personages, personages out there adorning some antiseptic corner of the universe. He is right here. He is all around us. And we just have to simply tune into that presence. And the path, the spiritual path, should be very fun. It's serious, but it should also be fun. And so how do we communicate with commune with God during our daily activities? Well, rather than me giving uh, you tips, I thought that you could give everybody else tips. So this past week, I asked this question, how do you commune with God during your day? If you have ideas, those who are watching, please write it in the comments. But here are some things that people wrote when I asked them this question. How do you commune with God during the day? By sitting in the sun on my front patio and listening to the breeze, the birds, the bees, and feeling one with it all. Seeing Master close, holding Master close. During meetings, visualizing all the gurus surrounding me and the person or people that I'm talking with. Looking upwards, breathing deeply, and offering myself into the present moment. Chanting Om Guru, Om Guru, Om Guru all day long. Saying, I love you, God. Asking the Guru's help in the mundane details, for they are very good cooks. 
And then finally, feeling God as bliss, permeating my body as I work. As Anandi was saying, in a few days is Swami Kriyananda's birthday. The name Kriyananda, Ananda Bliss, Kriya Action. His whole life was really that bliss in action. One time, Jiva and I, the gardener at the Hermitage, went down to Swami's apartment to change a light bulb or something. As you know, it takes two people to change a light bulb. <laughs> but as I was walking past Swami, he was working on his computer, and he just felt engulfed in this bliss as he was just typing on the computer. And that is our goal. How did he get to that point? Devotion, attunement, and practice. So, tomorrow, when you wake up, we always have a choice before us how we are going to invest our energy. With what type of energy are we going to invest it in? Are we just gonna, we're gonna say yes to opportunities with energy? Or are we just gonna put our arm out like this? Imagine as you wake up tomorrow, Yogananda was to appear to you, materialize before you and say, I'm gonna spend the day with you. How will you respond? Are you gonna look at your cell phone almost a hundred times a day in his presence? Put out your arm like this, constantly just doing work in an anxious, busy, Martha-like way? Or, or are you going to take that opportunity to commune with him, to hold his hand tightly, always being by his side, to gaze in his eyes and drawing in on his consciousness? And you might think, well, he's not with us, but guess what? He is with us. God is always with us. When Swami asked Yogananda shortly before he passed, Master, will you be with us when you're gone as much as you are now? And what did Master say? To those who think me near, I will be near. God bless you. Lord Most High, our Heavenly Father, all our lives we dedicate to Thee. All our labors, all our joys and woes. All our pleasures, all our melody. Make us each a channel of Thy peace. When in darkness, guide us from above. Where there's sorrow, may we sow thy joy. Where there's hatred, may we share thy love. Lord Most High, our Heavenly Father, all our lives we dedicate to Thee. All our labors, all our joys and woes. All our pleasure, all our melody. 
Make us each a channel of thy peace. When in darkness, guide us from above. Where there's sorrow, may we sow thy joy. Where there's hatred, may we share.